This is Rob Tebbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Privileged to be joined here today by legendary cup man Jacob Stitch Duran. We're here at the City Gym in Las Vegas. How are you, Stitch? I'm doing great, man. Just finished a great workout here with uh, JJ. Uh, I'm pumped, man. I, I love doing uh, what I'm doing here with him uh, as his cut man. And, you know, to work with the team, uh, it's, it's been a phenomenal experience for me. You've worked with kind of a who's who of, of boxing, MMA legends, kickboxing legends, so to speak. This is something a bit different, even even for you, who's kind of been there, seen it and done it. Just tell us a little bit about working with KSI before his rematch with Logan Paul. Yeah, you know, uh, Amir uh, Abdallah called me. I had worked with uh, Vidal Riley when he made his pro debut and asked me to be the cut man. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about, you know, KSI. Uh, I didn't know anything about Logan Paul, but I, I liked the scenario. And uh, I was talking to Michael Buffer uh, during the Triple G fight, and he said, man, it was phenomenal, you know, just to be part of it. And... Uh, for me to be part of it and working with JJ, you know, aka KSI, uh, to me is a privilege. And uh, you know, I've had a lot of historical moments in my life, Robert. Uh, this one definitely falls up on top. How does it compare with working with uh, with the greatest of respect to JJ? Working with kind of the elite level professionals that you've worked with throughout your career. Well, you know, it's it's he's a fighter. You know, as I wrap his hands every day, I always try to give him that you know that fatherly speech and you know the experience that I have. And you know, I told him I said I don't look at you as a rapper. I look at you as a fighter. And and uh, you know, he's definitely accomplishing that. So uh, it's a different experience, man. But uh, I'm glad to be part of the team. It's kind of crazy, yeah. <laughs> it, it certainly is. I mean, just watched him do his workout and watched him sparring him. It's a little bit surreal even for me, so God knows what it's like for you. Um, it's been, it's, it's kind of unexpected to really come across you today, so I've got lots of things I'd like to ask you. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started in, I know you're, you're not just a boxing cuts man, as I mentioned, you're the MMA and various other combat sports, um, but you're from a marketing background from yeah. way back when. Tell us a little bit about how you came into to combat sports. Well, you know, you must have read my book, uh, From the Fields from the fields to the Garden. It's on Amazon.com. <laughs> but, you know, I, I always wanted to play professional baseball. I grew up as a farm worker, uh, obviously because of economics, never had the opportunity. Uh, but I joined the Air Force in 1972. And 1974, they stationed me in a place called Thailand. I didn't know what the hell Thailand was. And saw my first Muay Thai fight. And uh, that whole year, I literally got into the martial arts and studied that. And uh, got back into the States, uh, got into boxing to improve my hands. And... Uh, started training amateur boxers at that time and opened up Mount School of Kickboxing. And, uh, I was a trainer. I promoted fights. I managed fighters. And uh, but I was also a cut man for economics, and that just kind of floated to the top, Robert. So, like 24 years ago, I packed up my family, came to Las Vegas. You know, as I say, if you're an actor, you go to Hollywood. If you're in boxing, you come to Las Vegas. And I came here to follow my dreams, and uh, you can see dreams do come true. How is it that you ended up, I mean, you've just mentioned kind of promoting, uh, managing. How is it that you ended up specifically working on cuts? Was it just something that you were naturally good at? Was it something that particularly took your fancy? How did you land on that? That's a good question. I was a good trainer. You know, when I came to Las Vegas, I didn't come to be a trainer because I thought all the great trainers in the world were here in Las Vegas. But as I'm in the gyms, I am looking at these guys train. I, I could do that. And I could do that. And I, I had an 8 to 5 job. I, had a, I worked a corporate America job. Uh, but I would get off work and get into the gyms and uh, they would hire me to do pads and you know I've done pads for Mike Tyson, Johnny Tapia, uh, Raul Marcus, a lot of Mike McCallum, the legendary Mike McCallum and, uh, but I always had a job but uh, when I came uh, I came already as experienced as a cup man through the kickboxing uh, so when I came my first big fight was Raul Marcus when he fought Keith Mullins uh, for the IBF uh, middleweight title Raul ended up with like five big cuts here here something like 70 stitches I kept him in the game and that was my coming out 
uh, uh, fight, you know, here in Las Vegas, and uh, people started taking notice, and you know, took me up to this level now. When you're a cuts man and you're in the corner, do you do you hope that you don't have to be used for out of fight, or do you kind of uh, yeah? What, what's that experience like when you see somebody get cut? Is it like okay, it's my turn now? Or what's yeah. that like? Well, you know, it's a good question. Yeah, good questions, man. I, I always prepare for worst case scenario, you know. And uh, you know, I worked with Shakir Stevenson over the weekend. I didn't do anything, and I just kind of didn't know what uh, what to do, you know. So it was kind of nice. But I, I look at myself as an insurance policy, you know. You. You know, you drive a Ferrari, your insurance gets a little bit higher. Uh, but, yeah, I'm always prepared for the unexpected, uh, prepared for the worst-case scenario. Uh, but when it happens, yeah, of course, there's a little bit of excitement, a little bit of adrenaline rush uh, to go in there. And, you know, when a fighter wins a fight, I know I had something to do with it. Uh, it's, that's what I get off on. That's my accomplishment. What makes a good cut, man? Composure. Uh, that's, you know, I get that question all the time. People, everybody, I get emails and texts and messages. Everybody wants to be a cut man because they see what I do, but I tell them it takes, you know, you got to spend hours and days and weeks and months and years in the gym, you know, working with fighters, learning how to be a fighter, not only the physical aspect, but the mental aspect. Uh, but uh, composure is really number one. Uh, having all the proper tools and knowing uh, how to use them and when to use them, uh, you know, and just having a technique. The technique that I've established, you see a lot of the guys in the MMA industry that are using it. And uh, so, you know, I'm the kind of guy, when I was learning to be a cut man, years ago, years before I, when I lived in California, uh, this guy did a good job on the cuts and I asked him what he did and he says, F you, I'm taking this to my grave and you gotta learn like me. He walked away. I felt about this big, Robert. Uh, but I just enforced that I don't wanna be like this guy, my job is to teach. So, you know, I've done seminars, I've helped guys out, showing them how to wrap hands and, you know, just taking care of the fighters because, you know, you as a coach would show a fighter how to fight, but nobody shows the coach how to take care of the fighter. And I think as I leave my legacy, that's the legacy I want to leave. You work across various different combat sports. What's the difference? Is there a difference or is a cut a cut or is a fight a fight? Yeah, it's it, really a cut is a cut and a fight is a fight, you know. But, you know, what makes it so exceptional and what I do is to get in the inner soul of these fighters. And, uh, and that, to me, that's such a privilege position to be in because even though these guys are modern day gladiators deep inside they're babies and uh, uh, Vladimir Klitschko when he fought Anthony Joshua I'll give you a little bit of behind the scene scoop I didn't see Vladimir till Friday because my daughter had gotten married Wednesday in Crete so uh, in the weigh-ins and I've been with Vladimir many years I put my hand on his shoulders and I said little Vladimir don't worry about nothing tomorrow I'm going to take care of you like you're my son. And I left it. You know, that's the psychological aspect. Well, here we are right before Michael Buffer does the announcements, 90,000 people uh, at Wembley Stadium. He looks at me as I'm putting the final Vaseline on him, and he says, you could call me son. So I knew I got into his head, and as he said, it was one of the greatest fights he's ever been involved in. That was a great fight that night in front of 90,000 people 90, at Wembley Stadium. What was that experience like for you? I mean, of course, Vladimir Klitschko was cut in that yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. Just... See you soon, man. One love. In the bed, man. Good, good man right here, man. It's a pleasure working with this guy, man. He's, baby, yeah. You know, I told him from the get-go, man, in the ring, he's going to be my son. You know, so I'm Thanks, take Dad. Of course, brother. One love. Good job, brother. Yeah, good kid, man. You know, and those are the things I get off on is working with good people. You know, it's never been about economics. It's, it's about accomplishments for you, me, because I grew up as a farm worker. And to reach these, these high pinnacles and to work with guys like JJ is tremendous. Back to that night at Wembley Stadium. Yes, yes. What was going? Oh. What was going for you? I mean, that was one of the best atmospheres that I've certainly been involved with as a British boxing fan. Even, what was that like for you that night in Wembley Stadium? It, it was, you know, I've always said ninety thousand Brits is like one hundred fifty thousand somewhere else. The Brits were tremendous, tremendous, and 
uh, when Anthony Joshua walked out, it was so loud that it just buzzed. Bzzz, just so many, so many people. But what was very respectful was at the end of the fight, the people were cheering Vladimir as well as they were cheering Anthony Joshua. And I told Vladimir, I said, this was like when Rocky fought his last fight, when he lost, but he was walking out and the people were around, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. The same thing happened to Vladimir, but what an experience, man. You know, I've been all over the world and I've done a lot of fights, but uh, that one really had to sit on top as, as the best one I've ever been involved in. I mentioned earlier on kind of Mike Tyson and Johnny Tapia, two of my favorite fighters and two very, I'd say probably certainly when Mike Tyson was fighting and obviously certainly the late Johnny Tapia, troubled souls away from the ring. What were they like to work away from the cameras? How was, it, how was your relationship with them as people? Uh, yeah, well, you know, Johnny Tapia, Mike Tyson, I would just want to do one day of pads because I was very good at doing pads. You know, I ended up doing like a week and a half when, when he had left his trainer and, and came back and then Freddie Roach came on. So I had a, had a chance to break sweat with him, but I've worked with some of Mike's fighters. And... Uh, Behind the scenes, they're dynamite people. Johnny Tapia really had a heart of gold. Uh, I remember one time we were walking out of there, driving out of the gym, and all these homeless people are sitting up against the fence, and he stopped and gave them all twenty dollars each. You know, that was the kind of guy that Johnny Tapia was, and uh, a lot of respect for him. What's the worst cut you've ever worked on? Uh, I've worked tons of them, bro. You know, uh, in MMA, they happen all the time. I'm doing bare knuckle fights. Uh, Jason Knight, that fought uh, uh, Artem Lobov, that fought Pauli Malinaji. Uh, a picture I took of him, I counted 10 cuts that had to be sewn. Uh, I saw him at the, at the Artem show when he fought Pauly, and he had 12 cuts, you know, so, but big, big cuts, you know, in MMA, you know, they, they happen all the time. Uh, that Tyson Fury cut uh, is something that uh, I've worked on on a, on a regular basis, you know, so I'm accustomed to those type of cuts. You mentioned bare knuckle fighting. Yeah. Um, that's something that's really, well, not just come about, but it's really been introduced to the mainstream in the last 18 months, two years. You mentioned Artem Lobov, Pauli Malinaji. What's that like for a cuts man to be involved in something that's virtually guaranteed to spill some blood somewhere along the line? It's, it's about a 60-70% cut ratio. Yeah, it's guaranteed. You know, and uh, to me, you know, it, Dave Feldman that promotes uh, bare knuckle fighting, uh, it was a good choice in him, you know, to bring me in because uh, when I first heard about it, the only reason I accepted the, the challenge was to see the safety that was involved in taking care of these fighters because for me safety is paramount and everything that they did is they maximize the safety of fighters and you know they're going to get cut they can get broken hands uh but you know that's part of the challenge of them fighting bare knuckle fights but the mental game is entirely different than it is in boxing or mma you literally have to cross that line you're one of if not the most established cutsmen in across all combat sports how often does somebody ring you up and say stitch i need somebody this weekend stitch i need somebody tomorrow night stitch i need somebody on the 28th etc well you know i've, I've had five weeks straight that i've worked i've been gone i was with tony yoka in paris i did triple g uh, i was in chicago when uh, this this poor kid passed away i uh, did the bare knuckle fights and this weekend, uh, Shakur, Shakur Stevenson. Uh, I'll be working uh, the Canelo fight. Virgil Hunter just called me, but I'm booked all the way to New Year's Eve. You know, uh, I'll be working with uh, Vidal Riley and Badu Jack on the 28th in Atlanta, and then from there I go straight to Tokyo and finish up my year with uh, Kazuto Ayoka. So it's been a good run for me, bro. Kazuto Ayoka is one of my favorite fighters, one of my favorite current fighters. Um, talk to me a little bit. You know your game, don't you? Yeah, I try. I try. Yeah, I try. Um, talk to me a little bit about working with him. Of course, one of J one of Japan's many leading fighters that are currently in in the sport. Yeah, and I also worked with the Kameda brothers. You know, which is kind of nice. You know, they're big legends in Japan. And you know, I used to go to Japan all the time for Pride. And 
And it's nice to go back to Japan when the Japanese people call you Sitsan, hey, Sitsan, Sitsan. But Kazuto was very, I just saw him in the gym the other day. He came back to train in Las Vegas with Salas. You know, and, and the Japanese are just so humble, so good people. He brings me a, a, a box of chocolates, you know, and, and you just don't see that all the time. Now, I'm in Las Vegas this week for Canelo Alvarez versus Sergo Kovalev, um, two fighters I'm sure you're very, very familiar with. Yeah. Um, what do you make of that fight? Oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm glad to be there. I'm uh, looking forward to watching it. You know, uh, I think it's going to be a barn burner. I think it's going to be, you know, I look at fights not who's going to win, who's going to lose. I look at it, what are the probability of someone getting cut? And, and if you ask my opinion on that, uh, I think, you know, I don't know who Kovalev is going to use as a cut man, but uh, I think he'll probably have his work cut out for him, quote unquote. When you're looking at a fight, that's a very interesting way of kind of looking at a fight and breaking it down. Um, when you're looking at it, what constitutes, okay, he's likely to get cut? I know sometimes it can be due, be due to somebody's weight cut. I mean, so somebody who cuts a lot of weight can be more susceptible to cuts, if, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, talk to me about what kind of, what makes a cut fighter, as it were. It's technique. You know, it's technique and, and, and aggressive, you know, how, how aggressive a fighter is. Uh, you know, what kind of defense he's going to have. Uh, I know Canelo's going to come forward. Kovalev is going to come forward. Uh, you know, I know Canelo got cut, uh, you know, in, in one of his fights. So, but yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, both cut men are used. So as well, and, and, and you were talking about dehydration and all that. Does that make a difference? I don't know if it does or not. You know, there's a lot of myths in boxing, Robert. Um, you know, these guys have time to hydrate. They have 24 hours to hydrate. So I don't know if that's going to be an issue. Uh, I know in the old days, Julio Cesar Chavez would sit out in the sun and let that sun dry up his skin. But as you know the game now, uh, something that's a little bit more softer and moist, moist is less likely to get cut than if you have dry skin. For example, a branch. If you have a dry branch, you get it and you bend it, it's going to break. But if you have one that's, that's moisturized, you could bend it, probably twist it into a pretzel. So that's the theory behind that. And obviously, a cut span is part of a, of a corner team, which is obviously headed up by the chief second, the trainer. Um, talk to us about the, the trainers that you've worked with over the years. I'm sure you've worked with some of the greats. I have, you know, many of the greats. Of course, Emmanuel Stewart, uh, Lou Duva. Uh, you know, I've worked with Virgil Hunter, uh, Salas. I've worked with uh, so many of the great guys. And, and just to, you know, work with them and, and be part of their history, uh, to me, is tremendous. You know, and like I say, when I started working with Vladimir Klitschko, uh, Emmanuel Stewart was uh, commentating for HBO and we're at the MGM and he walks by and as I'm watching the fans walk in and he looks at me and says, Stitch, I want to talk to you about working with Vladimir. And that's Emmanuel Stewart, right? The next day he called me and, uh, and offered me the position and, you know, uh, what a great challenge for me. I'm always fascinated to speak to people who have worked with Emmanuel Stewart, the late, great Emmanuel Stewart. Yes. Um, I've spoken to Andy Lee about it on several occasions. Yes, Len yeah, Lennox yeah. Lewis, of course. Um, just what type of person was he and how influential was he, not necessarily on your own career, but also on the fighters around him? Tremendous. You know, and, and such a humble guy. You know, I used to co-host a radio show in Vegas uh, called The 13th Round, and Emmanuel never turned me down every time I called him. And I was nobody at that stage, right? Uh, but working with him, I remember the, the best corner, best fight I ever worked when Vladimir Klitschko fought uh, Samuel Peter, mm -hmm. and he got dropped, what, three, four times or something like that. Emmanuel kept him in the game and kept him composed and, and all that and went on got a victory. Uh, but uh, I've learned so much off of him. And, God, me and him and Vitaly just worked like clockwork, you know, and that's the way it should be. And another name that you just mentioned there, Lou Duva, who people who are watching the channel may not be as familiar with, with Lou Duva's work, um, the late Lou Duva's work as they were with Emmanuel Stewart. Lou, one of boxing's big characters, what was it like working with him? Uh, he was a character, man. You know, just as a person, he was fun. Uh, it was great. You know, we did uh, his reality show. 
there was a reality show that Oscar De La Hoya uh, put together, and I got to work with him. And, and uh, uh, to me, it was just fun. He was just a fun guy to work with and uh, very astute in the game, very aggressive in the game, you know, definitely in the corner. You know, so talk about keeping your composure. He was one of the guys that never kept his composure, but he always did it for the fighter. Okay, well, just finally, before we let you go, um, hopefully people have enjoyed watching this interview as much as I've enjoyed doing it. What would you have said to yourself? I mean, you just mentioned I mean, from the farm to the garden. Yeah. What would you have said to yourself back when you were on that farm? If, they say, if you were to say to yourself, one day you're going to be working in Las Vegas, you're going to be looking after some of the, the top fighters, being part of some of the top corners in the sport. Would you have believed it? Uh, you know, I always had a dream. I knew down the road I was going to be a professional in something. I always thought it was going to be American baseball. Uh, but even now, I mean, I've done hundreds of shows, and I still pinch myself and saying, you know, I'm that little kid that was a farm worker, and I always tell people, you know, uh, follow your dreams because they do come true. But it blows my mind. You know, here I am with KSI, you know, going to be the main event uh, on the zone, you know, in a, in a big, big fight with Billy Joe Saunders and Devin Haney on the undercard, you know, and we're doing a six-rounder. You know, so for me to be in these kind of positions, it still blows my mind. You know, I'm still that little kid that has accomplished so much. And uh, in Spanish, we have a saying, si se puede, it could be done. You know, so uh, I'm just warming up, bro. Do you need that? Do you need that little kid in you in boxing to, to, to kind of be around the sport for as long as you have? Do you kind of need that little, that little kid inside of you? I, I think so. That's, that's a good question, man. My daughter just put out a tweet the other day. She goes, you know, my dad's been in the game like 40 years, and, and, and I guess she was looking at a cut that they had in the bare-knuckle fights, and, and he's sitting there with a smile on his face and looking like he's great, having a great time. I am having a great time. You know, just to be in that position, uh, working with so many great gladiators uh, at these high-level events, Still blows my mind. Okay. Well, Jacob Stitch Duran, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social, both on and off camera. Been a real pleasure meeting you for the first time. A little bit surreal. I've seen probably hundreds and hundreds of fights that you've been a part of. But thank you very much for speaking to Boxing Social, and hopefully we can catch up again soon. Oh, I'm sure we will, Robert. I appreciate the, uh, the questions, man. I tell you, you've been around the game. You know, we're sitting down before uh, we even started chatting, and, you know, you're bringing up names and events and, and all that that uh, kind of surprised me. You know, so props to you. Thank you very much, and thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. Cheers. Thank you. That was great. That was good. Thanks.